Welcome, true believers and newcomers alike, to another episode of the Corporate Global Fantasy Premier League podcast. Uh, you're here, as always, with me, Taylor. And me, Evan. And our special guest for this evening is... Hello, Reed Zimmerman. Wow. The man of mystery finally on our podcast. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, Reed, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited to be here. It's great to to put a to put a face and a voice to the FPL team. It really is. It's great to meet you. I don't even know. I don't know that I've ever met you before. No, I lived with I lived with Wyatt for a total of two years. Okay. Um, and at which school? You at Union. Okay. And uh, you are related to Wyatt. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't think I I don't know. Were you were you at his graduation? I was not at his graduation. Okay. I was at his that wedding. I was in okay. his wedding. Oh, oh! Then I had to meet you during that. I'm pretty sure I met you. I'm sure I did. I'm sorry I forgot. But what it's a, good to see you again. What a fun muddy evening that wedding was. Absolutely, yeah, it was very muddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was it was a ton of fun, and we're so glad to have you. Um, yeah. In absolutely. In the league, I think it's evidence of our, you know, tendrils just reaching farther and farther into different communities that now we have people in our fantasy Premier League who we had never met before. And I'm, for one, am extremely happy about that. Well, you, the listeners, will know a little bit about how this is going to go. So when we're interviewing a manager from the league, we typically talk more in depth about their team than others. We use it as a chance to kind of spotlight some of their decisions and think through or talk about what they're thinking about with their team and things like that. So we'll be doing that with Reed's team today. Um, but before we do that, um, uh, let's see, Reed, do you have the league table up? Would you want to run down the league standings by any chance? Boy, oh boy, I can get there. <laughs> wow. I just made a transfer, so it's open. Oh, you just made a transfer? Oh, wow. We're going like to on air on air. You made a transfer. Uh, yeah, I kept looking up away from my screen because I was trying to make sure that it went through. But wow, wow. I can't okay, wait to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I cannot wait. To this talk is a about little that. bit of improv right here because we didn't ask Reed to do this beforehand. <laughs> so, um, like, not the transfer, not running down the league. We didn't prep him for anything. We just threw him right in, and he's uh, just diving in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, how do you feel about me starting bottom up? Because uh, I I love kind of living in the bottom. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You're a, you're a bottom dweller. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For now. For now. Yeah, we're working our way up. Um, so we'll start at 11. Soccer 2. Uh, is that a new name or am I just that out of touch? Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I think it might be the I same. I don't remember. I think it might be the same name that he's had all season. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Jerry Groth, 534 points. Um, your hometown hero. Naptown FC, that's me, Reed Zimmerman, 561. Uh, proper prospect, prospects, Tim Griffith, 577 points. Uh, William Wyatt Spicer, uh, the Bruce Matthews, 602. <laughs> uh, strong emphasis on the. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Taylor Hare. I testing 608 points. Uh, wow, it's a cluster right through there. 602, 608 for Taylor. Uh, brother, I'm guessing Evan Hare. Yes, I see Hare's also at 608. Uh, so have a good Thanksgiving with that. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Fantasy Football, also a Hare, Jake Hare. Another brother. <laughs> I didn't realize oh, wow. with the league table here at 624 points. Uh, Smeagol slash Golem, Robert Griffith, 630 points in fourth place. And then our, our top three, uh, is it tan guy? Take me home. Eli. Uh, uh, how do we pronounce it? I it, always thought uh, it was tangy, but you corrected me last time I said it. So I don't know. I think my brother told me it's Tongi. Okay. Tongi. That's Tongi. the second reading. I, I think I would have arrived at for sure. 631 points. Uh, number two, Bosch have it. Evan Estes, 680 points. And then uh, my sweet, sweet cousin, shove it, Wyatt Keener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my sweet cousin, shove it. 
Oh, wow. That man will never lose his perch at the top of this league, I fear. Never, not ever. Um, man, it's uh, it's exciting there in the middle. Yeah. I've it really is. Uh, I was talking to uh, Wyatt and William last night about I have no concept of like what the top eight look like. I just started in 11 and it's just been the one person above me. So what a right. to get to, to actually participate in the, the top half of the table. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not participate, but see it. Yeah. Oh, I, I think you'll be participating soon. You, uh, you've yeah, already, as we've so. talked about before on this podcast, climbed out of the, the grave of that auto draft from week one. And so we have, we have high hopes for your continued rise. Thank you. Yeah. How are you feeling in this moment? Um, you've had some solid weeks and you've, like you said, you've moved up a little bit. So right now going into an international game week, you've got a little bit of time to think about your next moves. You surely you're feeling good about where things are headed with uh, Naptown. Uh, yeah. I think so. I, you know, it's taken me to about this point to figure out like what an average game week looks like. Um, and so how many, what week are we in of the season? Uh, we just finished 11, I think. Right. Okay. So 11 weeks in and it's like, I can now look at my score and say, okay, it was a low normal sort of week. So Given that perspective, it's hard to have an idea of like, man, I feel really good based on who knows. Yeah. Um, sorry to to sweet Jerry, uh, but it is great. Made <laughs> something other than eleven. Uh, hey, don't don't feel too bad for him because last year he got off to a flying start. Oh my goodness! It was like it in like proportionally, like as far as like overall rank and stuff. His run was better than Wyatt's. He was in the top. He was in the top several hundred in the world for a while. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So for him, for him to now be um, kind of dead last in our league, there's a little bit of Schadenfreude I think going on from the rest of the league. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then I don't feel bad at all. Now, Reed, this is your—is this your first year playing fantasy Premier League? Uh, it is. ESPN rolled out some version that was like not EPL specific. It was like all soccer, and Ooh. whoa, uh, yeah, like I—it was a mess. Um, I did that with just my brother for one year, and then got onto this two years later and kind of figured, Oh, I can, I can figure this out. Like it'll go well. And, um, it didn't, it didn't go well. Uh, and why it had like offered to walk me through some of the nuance and here are your bonuses and all of that. And I was like, nah, I got it. We're good. Um, so yes, this is my first time, first time playing fantasy premier league. I love it. It will not be my last. Cool. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you, um, are you like a, fantasy player in other sports like do you play fantasy football and those kinds of things or not uh i hate football okay uh, okay yeah like very much dislike football uh so will not i guess i'm in one at work but it's like they needed me to be an even number and i said i'll set a lineup but i won't know anything why it drafted that team um and then i play fantasy nba Oh, interesting. Never even heard of that or known anyone who's played it. Yeah, it's it's a lot. You got to set a lineup every night. Um, but I, I oh, geez. FPL or I guess EPL and then the NBA are like my my two favorite leagues. So cool. That's where I engage. Nice. So how long have you been following the Premier League and Liverpool? Um, what's kind of your backstory in in the Premier League? I I'm glad I get to defend it because being a Liverpool fan, like feels, it feels slimy. Um, it happened semi-organically. Um, I did become a fan the year that they won. Was that what? Two years ago they won premier league. Um, so I grew up playing soccer, never really followed professional soccer. 
started getting into it because I worked at a job that I was like up at 5 a.m. on Saturdays and then would sit and wait for uh, kids to arrive. And so I would turn TV on and it was like, oh, there's a game on. So I just kind of started watching. And then at the time, my work schedule like really worked for me to watch a lot of Bundesliga. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's a different, vastly different experience, but um, fell in love with Dortmund, read an article about Sancho, and so like followed him and said for a long time, wherever he goes, I'm going to become a fan of. Um, thank goodness I got away from him. <laughs> wow. United is a lot worse than Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so... During that time, it was like, I'm just going to watch kind of all EPL, see if I jive with any teams. Then I started watching the training for different teams on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, while I totally bandwagoned on board, because I'm an IU fan, I'm a Cubs fan, I'm a Pacers fan, and they just historically are pretty terrible at sports. Um, so it was like, I want to pick a team that's going to win. But then I fell in love with, like, the guys on the team. So you watch their trainings on YouTube and you get to see some of the personality. And it was just like, I just jived with Van Dyke, um, love Robertson, like just some of the personalities there that I'm sure exist on other teams that just like, it jumped out to me in those trainings. And so it was like, I kind of back my, back my way into becoming a bandwagon Liverpool fan. So there's, there's earnestness, behind it but i also said like i'm gonna pick a good team to follow yeah totally that's understandable there's there's something really and evan you may be able to speak to this partially it's like there's something a little bit bleak about just like supporting a, a like mid-level team that isn't really going up or down at the, at the moment you know what i mean yeah yeah it's the hope that kills you that's that's one of our that's one of our phrases but that is something to i think that that's something that it doesn't matter where you place in the table that every team there's always something to strive for there's always a little bit of hope that oh we'll do better than the previous year or or we'll win uh, an even bigger trophy or we'll do something that we haven't done before regardless of if you're liverpool um, like winning the Premier League for, for the first time in a long time or Champions League even, um, for Everton to just place in like Europa or for Norwich to even hope to stay in the Premier League. So, yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's, it is kind of bleak. So I do understand if you've been like supporting teams that like have just historically not won, it's, it's nice to have a team that um, is going to be that winning team. So I'm sure it's been a lot of fun already. The last two or three years you've been supporting them because um, they've been been uh, world class to say the least. Yeah, they've been they've been fun. I got to the point that like fandom of any team felt like foolishness. Like I got my hopes up and then got crushed. Um, so I think the way that I like fell in love with the guys on the team makes it a different experience because it's like yeah. I want them as humans to do well. And then also I would like Liverpool to get the result. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah it's uh, interesting that you started watching the trainings. I thought that was really cool. I don't know how I ended up there, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy with the result. So, yeah, that's an, I didn't know you had that a uh, Bundesliga connection and I'm interested because I've thought about this several times watching Dortmund play. I think that a move if Liverpool could get Jude Bellingham to uh, replace Jordan Henderson. Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. Incredible. That I, like switch out could, I think it could happen pretty seamlessly too. Like yeah, Bellingham's I, a little bit more attacking, but still like, I think the, the style of play is actually fairly similar in a way. Stylistically, I think Liverpool takes a huge step back from uh, I think Hindo's just influence on the team is massive. Uh, like he just he looks like a dick on the field. Excuse me. 
Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's this level of intensity that like he expects yeah. excellence from himself and he holds everyone around him to that same excellence i don't know uh, there's a mentality step back perhaps uh but stylistically absolutely yeah i will say though liverpool seems to be very good about keeping people around for the appropriate amount of time I'm thinking about like James Milner, right? Like doesn't really play that much anymore. Yeah. And clearly still has a role to play in terms of like team chemistry and some of the things you're talking about. And they're able to like keep him in the community of the team to serve that purpose, even if he's not on the field all the time. And I'm wondering if that's kind of how they see Henderson's career going as well. Cause I don't, I don't see him moving to another team really. No, Maybe you feel differently, but no, I, I would agree. I would agree. He's a red for life. Hopefully. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It, it would feel gross to watch him play somewhere else. Yeah, like Aston Villa or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, I mean, yeah, he, is he a, is, was he, has he always been, did he like grow up in the academy and all that? Or is he, is he a Liverpool supporter Ooh, as a kid? A good question. Because he, uh, I could see him maybe going somewhere if he has a boyhood club, he would go back to that, but. I don't, I don't know. I know he, I mean, he's played for Liverpool for a very long time. It seems yeah. to me at least. Yeah. You would think he would want to retire there. I'm sure he would be similar yeah. to, to Leighton Baines um, for us. Uh, sorry. I'm trying to figure out when he joined Liverpool. Cause I yeah. feel like he played, he played somewhere else, but. Was it like. Why do I want to say like Blackpool? <laughs> I don't know why. Or like Maybe. Blackburn Rovers. Sunderland. I don't know why I want to say. Hmm? Sunderland. Oh, interesting. Sunderland. Huh. Wow. I don't think he's going back there anytime. No, soon. I don't think he's going back to Sunderland. Probably <laughs> <laughs> not. Unless he wants to be in the documentary Sunderland Till I Die. Yeah. Which that would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, um, do we want to talk about your team, Reed? Do we want to go through? the team and talk about some things how does that sound that sounds uh it sounds great i hope you have specific questions that i can answer because there's not a lot of just dialogue i can give you okay cool um we can do that evan do you have his team pulled up i don't but i can i was gonna i was wondering if you wanted to walk through his team for us Sure. Um, yeah, let me pull it up, and I will walk through Reed's team as it is currently set up for the previous week. Um, Although we we did get that hot gossip that he may have we did get that hot goss. We he may will, he may have made a transfer. So this, so this may be outdated. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but um, so the previous uh, so this game week eleven team we've got Ramsdale in goal. We've got Ruben Diaz. Um, Amarte and Luke Shaw as defenders. We've got Phil Foden, Connor Gallagher, Mo Salah. Uh, we've got Sun and Jota. So pretty heavy hitting midfield. I would say and, a dream of a midfield. Yeah, it's that's pretty good. That's probably that's probably honestly what you want right now. That's um, if I could. That pick, might be the template. Honestly, that might like be the the meta. I don't think there's any other player that I would rather have at that midfield other than those people at those price points for sure. Is is meta the right word? Am I using that right? Beta, like in, I think. Huh? Like beta? That's the beta. No, like the right meta. Yeah. Oh, meta. Really? it's the meta for like League of Legends. Like this is the the strongest team out for this moment. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought you were doing a rock climbing thing. That's beta. <laughs> no, no, not rock climbing. I don't. I know nothing about rock climbing. Um. But anyway, up top, we've got St. Maximin and Antonio. Um, and then on the bench, we've got Joel Ward from uh, Palace, I guess. Um, oh, oh, a Ward from Leicester. Oh, yeah, Joel Ward's not a, a goalie. Joel Ward's a freaking defender. Um, we've got Ward from Leicester as a zero-point backup keeper. Um, we've got Dennis from Watford as a backup forward. We've got Alonzo who is red flagged, um, who is a defender for Chelsea on the bench right now. And we've got Tierney uh, as a defender on the bench. Um, so I'm assuming, do you want to go ahead and uh, give us uh, your transfer? I'm going to assume that it's for Alonzo. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, uh, call it hot goss if you want. It's not too hot. It's a pretty much like for like. So it's a wing back Reese James. Oh, well. Oh, Reese James. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Like that. I, I tried to, I was on the Reese James train early this year. Um, he didn't play well for a stretch and then he got injured. And, uh, I like, I like his, um, his look as much as anything, his game's great. Sure. But his look is just fantastic. Totally. Um, so I want him on, I want him on the squad and it, it was just, uh, it was time with Alonzo injured. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a very, very solid move. Like, yeah. And not not that much more expensive, right? Reese James is probably like five eight or five nine, right? Yeah, he's five nine. I had four in the bank. Um, so a million or point four? Point four. Sorry, point four. Oh, I was about to say oh, wow. that'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like marginal difference. Yeah, I was looking through your transfer history, and I noticed that. You had brought in Reese James in your big kind of wild card week two um, when you were getting rid of some of those um, <laughs> those auto draft players, uh, which it was also just funny just like reading through the people that it gave you at the beginning of the yeah. season, like <laughs> Jesse Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the algorithm is wrong on the auto draft. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so you had you had James in week two, which was fascinating. You also were, it seemed to me really early on the Antonio train. Yeah. So Antonio week two, pretty big move. And then also pretty early on the Gallagher train too. I think you got, it says you picked up Gallagher week seven, which. Oh, wow. Kind of before, kind of before he started popping off. It seemed to me. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go. Well, the Reese James, I picked him up just because of the look. Uh, nice. Antonio. Um, I like this. I like the concept of having a team of underdogs, which is not great. Uh, and it's not really reflected in my team at all, except Antonio. So I'm going to continue to, to hang on to that. But, um, I just like, I saw some video, I don't even know where, but basically about, uh, fans that have hated on Antonio for like years and years and said, we need a strike. Um, and like Antonio's garbage. And he looked, he looked good in stretches last year, like very, very good in stretches. Yeah. Uh, And so he was an inexpensive striker. That was like, I picking him up was as much. I want him to do well as it was. I expect him to do well. Totally. It's, It's paid off. Um, He's having a heck of a year. And then Gallagher is uh, in some circles considered a pretty boy Uh, on Naptown FC. He is a, he's a grinder. Um, (laughs) Okay. I just, I like, I like his style of play. Like he's the, he's the guy that you hate to play against and you love that he's on your team. Like he brings a competitive edge. Um, He's a jerk in the right settings. Um, but he's also like how many, maybe you haven't watched a lot of crystal palace games, but how many times does he come from like 20 yards out of a play to make her, I, he just, he has a yeah. work rate that I love. Totally. So. I love that way of playing the game. I, I love the, like both the way of picking players based on who you want to do well. And you're talking to a person who had Timo Werner for, way too long last year and was really burned on that on that score um but i i do like that kind of like prospective way of thinking about players um and then also yeah like picking players based on personality or like perceived like playing style i think is really interesting and like honestly like thinking about your team as like a team of like personalities and not just a bunch of names with certain dollar values associated with them is kind of interesting yeah and it's a catch-22 right because like conceptually that'd be great if you could feel like you're emotionally connected to your team in some way i don't know I, that may be romanticizing fantasy Premier League, but like i mean what is sports anyway that's all it is 
Yeah, I yeah. get excited to check my app to see how my team did this weekend. And totally. like, it's not a points thing. It's like, I want my players to do well. Um, and then there's also like, you know, uh, Ruben Diaz is not that interesting to me, but I expect them to have several clean sheets. Um, and so it's like, he's a pretty good price point. I got to have a city defender in the lineup. So yeah. yeah. Um, Aside from Shaw, I've gotten away from United players. I'm not attached to him. Um, but, you know, as many wingbacks as you can have in the lineup are great. He's a wingback yeah. that can get assists, may score every now and then. So uh, that's the person on my team that I hate to have, but will tolerate because of points. Um, otherwise, I, like, enjoy my team quite yeah. a bit. So nice. Yeah. Love to see that. Yeah. I guess I can, I can talk through, well, I've talked through Gallagher. Um, if you don't have Mo at this point, you should have Mo and you should captain him now through the rest of the season. Can we, can we, <laughs> can I pause on that and just ask as a Liverpool fan, what has like watching Mo Salah over the last, let's say six game weeks been like for you? Because it's been like transcendent, even as like a, a neutral observer watching him play. Yeah, when I was getting into watching soccer again, like I hated Mo. Um, I thought he over dribbled. I thought he was selfish. I thought he was lazy. Um, and some of that was just I think I didn't understand soccer at that level. Um, because when you look at the way that he presses, like it's hard to call him lazy. Um, and I think I've grown to appreciate the uh, the bravado that it takes to just like say, I'm going to go get a goal. Totally. So I've come around on him. Uh, there's a distinct when he went on, uh, he broke down like six defenders uh, against City. And he did this little like pull back, touch forward. Uh, that was like, that was when the flip switch for me switch flipped for me that it was just like he was at a different level he looked he's looked more human the last couple games um but good golly has it been fun to watch him play and like even little stuff like he'll take a full field through ball in stride and just like catch it like not settle it he'll catch it on his foot and keep dribbling it's just it's everything's clicking for him yeah yeah, I mean, watching Liverpool, half of the enjoyment for me is watching the front three, especially if Firmino's in there, mm. watching like how those personalities play out on the field and just like how hungry Mane is to score. How, I guess to a lesser extent, per, from my perception, Salah is to score, but just how easily he's able to do it. Yeah, And then Firmino is just kind of like the peacemaker between them like dishing out balls left and right. It's just like such an interesting psychodrama that happens every time those three people are on the field. It's fascinating. It is. It's very interesting to watch. And it's a great thing that Firmino is as disinterested in scoring as he is. Like he caught a lot of heat last year and he had a pretty bad year. Um, But if that dude has an eye for goal too, then like Liverpool implodes. Yeah. I think you're right. You have the goal hungry players on the flanks. I'm not a big Mane fan. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. He's explosive and fun to watch from that perspective, but like he doesn't have the touch that Mo has. And so he just runs in a straight line into people. Yeah. Uh, And it's not that exciting, but uh, yeah. So if I go through my midfield, Mo, pick him up. There's the tip of the week. If anyone (laughs) doesn't have him, pick him up. Gallagher, I talked about um, love, love the grit. Jota, I'm a, I, he came out so hot last year that it was like, even if he's split in time with Bobby Chompers, I'm okay with it. And Firmino's got a pretty significant hamstring injury right now. So uh, yeah. Jota's going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, so um, I wish that Tottenham tried to score more than like 30 seconds a game. Yeah. 
um, because I think he's like an incredible, incredible player that is limited by their system. And then I, I, go ahead. Sorry. I think with Sun though, I think it's, I think I'm interested in seeing how Conte makes them play um, over the next few game weeks. Um, I kind of, I was nervous as an Everton supporter going into that game because I thought that I had just heard so much about Conte and how he was going to transform this team. And he's such a good manager. So I was worried that we were going to get battered. Um, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't work out that way. I think they're still probably trying to learn this system and trying to figure out, he's probably still trying to figure out who works best in what role. Um, but I can't imagine Sun being a bad pick. Um, I, I mean, it could, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of worried. Like I'm kind of thinking about picking him up. Um, just he's on my radar at least. So I think he's still a pretty good option. But I see what you mean. They have been, they've been pretty dismal as far as getting some goals. <laughs> Seems like they don't really have that. They don't really have that going for them right now. So I'm interested to see if Conte like brings a little bit more organization and they can find the flow a little bit easier. So I don't know. That's all I got to say about that. Son looked. He looked incredible before Harry Kane came back. Was that? One yes. Game, or was it two games? It was, yeah, two or three, I think. Okay. Yeah. You're right. He did. But Kane, he's too slow. He's too slow. Yeah, he's, I, I really, I really think that they're going to regret not selling him this summer. And, but that's just my thought. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a chance that Conte turns it around a little bit. Cause I know, I mean, if you look at how Inter played last year with, Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez kind of as a as a forward pair they basically fall into that Harry Kane human son role and so I think there's some hope there that he can manage both of those attacking threats even if Harry Kane is off pace a little bit um that Sun Human slides into that Lautaro Lautaro Martinez role that kind of services Harry Kane but also scores quite a few goals himself um I'm hopeful at least that that might be able to happen yeah. We'll if, are either do you either of you subscribe to the athletic? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't subscribe, no. Okay. Uh there was an interesting write-up that just kind of chronicled uh Conte's career. Oh, interesting. he transformed teams. Uh and there was a heavy emphasis on his ability to develop an attack and create an attack that suits a certain uh, set of players or a certain skill set. So I, cool. I'm intrigued to watch that, and I'm really excited to watch Tottenham do anything other than defend. Yeah, me too. Because they're so much fun when they are attacking. Like, they really – it's fun to see those players, especially some. Like, it's just so much fun to watch the man play. And I would love to see it not be in a kind of dismal setting. Yeah. And he has a whole lot of fun, which is intoxicating to watch too. I mean, his smile, man. It's something. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, we'll round it out. So Foden, uh, he's good. The end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. St. Maximin, if we move up to strikers, uh, I'm going to be his biggest fan until the day that he stops taping his whole forearm. <laughs> Whoa! I hadn't even I haven't even thought about that. I hadn't seen that. I hadn't noticed it. What, walk you? me through. Walk me through what happened. <laughs> it's it's not just wrist. I can't. I mean, it literally looks like he walks off the soccer field and steps in a boxing ring. Wow! Uh, it's up over the knuckles, around the thumb, and what? it comes it comes to his forearm. Like I don't understand it, and and it's intoxicating. Between that and the uh ninja style headband yeah uh, sign me up for everything that he's bringing to the table yeah and maybe he'll score some goals too man God, often, he is so cool he is so cool though for real we often i hope that i hope how, that is just a look I, like yeah. I was gonna say we often talk about how little room for um kind of aesthetic independence there is within the soccer jersey format um and it's so interesting to see when people do something like that, like, you know, use tape or whatever to kind of 
make their own little impression. Um, yeah, fascinating. He he's gives off this impression of a fighter. Uh, and he also like, he runs like he'll run through a brick wall. Uh, yeah. So he's just, he brings grit to the game. Sometimes he'll leave the ball behind him, but you know, yeah. that just happens as part of the, that's part of the deal. Details. Yeah. Um, it, aside from taping your whole body, like he does, you can cut your socks. You can wear a varying, uh, short sleeve all the way to a long sleeve and anything in between. Yep. And you can dye your hair blue like Pogba. And that's about all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is really true. Although I think I think we have not seen the last of, and this is falls within the sleeve category, something that I brought up before, which is the Presno Kimpembe like oh. rolling up the sleeves. I think that's gonna I think that's gonna catch on in England huge next season. I really do. Really? I'm calling ne- it next here. season. I'm calling it here next next 2022-23. Next September, Please. you are going to see the French fashion from Paris influencing uh, English Premier League soccer. Maybe we'll see it towards the end of this season, like in April, May, when it starts to warm up a bit again. Some of the early adopters. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like like St. Maximin, right? You know, your French players, maybe. uh, Yeah, maybe he'll do it. Adopt it first. If he he rolls his sleeves, he can tape higher. True. Uh, That's true, yeah. Yeah, so... (laughs) I, I want to ask you a question about Liverpool and um, clothing, which is I am still trying to figure out how I feel about Jurgen Klopp without glasses. Mm. It's it's a weird one for me. I'm okay with it. Okay. Uh, I've got other opinions about his look since we moved to Nike. Uh, oh, the Nocta? Uh, it's <laughs> Without glasses, I'm okay with... Um, it's his smile. It's his teeth for me that are just, they're so remarkably fake, but his smile is just so lovable nonetheless. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his glasses look was like, I mean, Liverpool sold a lot of shirts that were just his silhouette with glasses. Mm. Um, so it's iconic for him, but I, I don't mind. I don't mind him not wearing them. Okay, what's your what's your take on his Nike look? Um, the like have you seen the coats that he wears on the sideline? Yeah, they're they're like, huge. They're huge. I don't mind the length is or the bulkiness as much as the pattern on them. Like he oh. uh they've tried to introduce like a streetwear type feel <laughs> to his <laughs> sideline attire, and he's like He's not a cool guy. He's a lovable guy, but he's not yeah. a cool guy. And he's so, like a he's like a crunchy dad. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so imagine putting a crunchy dad in like a Gucci athletic jacket, which I surely that doesn't exist, but that's what it feels like he's trying to wear on the sideline. Yeah. Um, and then it really bothers me the way I love his hats, but he'll he'll have like a massive chunk, like a chunk of hair that hangs out of the back. Yeah. This feels like just pull it off and put it back on again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. The way he wears hats is weird. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed, I've noticed just something is off when he wears a hat. Yeah. I guess I don't know I, what it is. I put the front on first. And he starts in the back and like rakes everything. Oh, up. that's a problem. That's a big problem. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's weird. It makes just the whole thing look like it's sitting higher on his head, right? Yeah, yeah. It just is a it's a weird look. Um, but you know what? We all have our flaws, and if he wears bad coats <laughs> and that's weird, I can accept everything else. Yeah. yeah, as long as Liverpool's winning, that's not the worst thing to look at, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I think one of the unsung benefits of having Conte back in the Premier League is that we get another like proper suit manager. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he was all dressed up. They even made a comment about it. The the uh, commentators in that game, they mentioned something about his suit. Yeah, and I, so, I'm yeah, not, it's he it looks good. I'm not one to like down to diss the like you know tracksuit sideline look because I think it looks great for some people, but I think it's important yeah. to have a wide palette among 
among coaches. And if you have everyone going with the kind of Nuno at Wolves look, then it just kind of starts to yeah to look to look different. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Which one of you hated that look so so no loved that look for him, hated his Tottenham. That was me. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was Taylor. Guilty. Wow. I was a, probably a little bit harsh on him now, looking back at the fact that he's lost his job. But shoot, <laughs> <laughs> that guy made millions. No worry about it. Yeah, we don't have to care. Not, about well, not maybe we not in his time. We don't have to care about the feelings of anyone who's made millions of dollars, Evan. Yep, I agree. I, I double down on it with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, while we're on manager attire, I would yeah. prefer if uh, Tuchel was mm. a proper dresser. Interesting. He looks like a sickly old man and then wears clothes that like shows off how ill he looks. <laughs> <laughs> he does look remarkably skinny. He's yeah. like if he's like if um if there was a series of unfortunate events book that took place in a soccer oh. camp, he'd be Count Olaf dressed up as a oh soccer coach. Oh my wow. It it feels like you've thought about this for like months because that's I, I, I have. Okay. That is a proper diagnosis. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think even at PSG, he he did more the kind of like um I don't know if you've seen how if you've watched Crystal Palace, like how Patrick Vieira dresses, like does a lot of like sweaters um and stuff like that. And that's kind of how Tuchel dressed at PSG, at least my memory was that. And I think maybe he goes back to that at some point. That would be cool. He I'd needs to it. just embrace the streetwear trend. If anybody can pull that off, I think it could be him. Like the kind of the '90s streetwear trend with like some, it's like baggy and it just kind of falls off of you. He's so skinny. Like, yeah, when you're that skinny and tall, you can make anything look good, except what he's wearing. It's like you need to embrace like kind of the drape of things. I don't know. I I feel like well, he could do a little bit better. The the challenge is is that all of Chelsea's like training gear is designed to show off the physique of like well built professionals. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah, and he wears them like baggy clothes in the appropriate size. So it's wow. not that he's sized up three times. It's just the, <laughs> that you've you've hit on exactly why. Frank Lampard looked good in sideline wear in that same stuff, right? Because ah. he looked pretty good because he could fill it out. He was like still an athletic guy. Yeah. yeah. Looked good in like the puffer and like the training pants. Yeah. And why Tuchel just looks kind of gangly in them. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's Man. funny. Um, so are you are you thinking of just going back to your team? Are you thinking of yeah. making a change um, at some point? with Luke Shaw and going to someone else at back or is that, are you pretty committed to Luke Shaw despite the kind of Manchester United situation? Um, not, not committed to Luke Shaw. Um, what I would love to see as a replacement to him is um, a young gun that is making the most of an opportunity. Uh, oh, I've got one for you. Hit me with it. Don't say Livermento. Nope. Okay, good. Tariq Lamptey. Ooh. Okay, yeah. He's back. Not a bad show. looking good. Did he? It would be fun. Uh, they're still kind of phasing him back into play. Is that correct? I believe so. I believe that he started, though, this past yeah. game. So I'm pretty sure he started. Two weeks ago, he came on as a sub. And then last week, he played, I think, what, 60, 65 minutes? Something yeah, like that. So he went 33, 24, and 74 this weekend. Okay. And he has this international break to I don't is he English? Uh, I think so, yeah. So he's not gonna be I doubt he'll be playing True. Um, for for England. So like he's gonna have this time to rest as well. So something to look out. Uh, he's He's someone I would think about bringing in. I mean, maybe he would be like your first off the bench guy, especially if you've got Reese James now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, sorry, I just put that in my back and forth yeah. with you, Evan. So oh, I'm... yeah. So, um, Are there any young up-and-comers that you have your eye on? Oh, I'm yeah. thinking like Rico Henry at Brentford, maybe. Whoa. 
I don't even know who that is, but he's he scored either. this past weekend and he's like a wing back for Brentford. Okay. He's, he's 4.5, might be someone to think about. Yeah, I'm all about it. I mean, like, I I'm fine taking a step back in points. This it goes back to the emotional side of how I picked my team. Okay. Uh, I feel I feel shameful about having a United player on the roster. Oh. I mean, yeah, as, I you, had, as you should. Yeah. Yes, I I held I, I held Shaw for a while, and there was I. It was just like every week I wanted to get rid of him, but I couldn't because I had a worse problem. Yeah. And then eventually I was able to, but yeah, it felt so good to get rid of him. Oh my god, you're gonna love it. <laughs> the roster, my roster is in a place now that it feels like I could make. Yeah. A move for Shaw before it yeah. was there are glaring. There are glaring adjustments that have to be made, but now right. it's, I'm even comfortable taking a step back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Costas, Titsmikas, whatever. Um, yeah. Gosh, I would love if he played anything other than left back. Yeah. Because uh, Robertson's probably my second favorite player, but like Costas has looked excellent when he's had opportunity, like yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, so I, fun to see even that competition uh, because I think Liverpool's got really well-known wingbacks in just keeping that kind of level of play, putting a genuine competitor in behind Robertson, lights yeah. fire, and, yeah. and he's a competitor. So, yeah, that would be an amazing one. I I hope that he's not a situation where he's like good enough that other teams will want him, you know, like I am a little bit scared of that, that he almost got like too much playing time so that, you know, there are other teams that are going to come in for him in the January break. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. I could see us being slow to move any defenders after everything that happened last year. Um, Yeah. I hope that's the case. Uh, It makes sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense developing a young guy, loan him out. Uh, But I love him. I love him. And he's an ornery little booger. <laughs> he's fun you to could, watch training. I mean, you could probably, with the funds that you have, and if you downgraded at Shaw, for instance, you might be able to pick up Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold or one of those Liverpool wingbacks, maybe. Yeah, TAA is, uh, I think, maybe appropriately priced, but when I look at his price, I don't know what it is, but he feels overpriced to me. Uh, and Liverpool tries to play up that right side so hard with TAA and Mo um, that Robertson's going to get less usage, less value. Okay. Um, so that's, I mean, that's my hang up. And I don't know, I, the the three goal or the three player limit on a team. I've got two Liverpool players. Yeah. I love that. I love the freedom to on a whim, go pick one up. Uh, so I don't know. I'd love to have Robertson as, as one of those mentality boys, but I've held off so far. Reed's mentality boys. <laughs> I think I think that's a I think that's a very fair assessment of Robertson. Yeah. He just doesn't really fit in. It's not an easy pick for him. Yeah. yeah. Or at least not an easy pick to get him. I have a bigger picture um, question as far as FPL goes, because you talked about a little bit of the way that you like to play um, or the way that you've developed um your playing style this season has been more emotional more geared towards picking fun players that you enjoy watching you enjoy rooting for um even if it doesn't really pan out every time um i guess um well first of all do you think that that has like helped you rise in rank and help you gain points is because you're playing in a style that you're you're more sort suited towards uh, rather than trying to play a different strategy. Um, like it seems like once you wild card and you started picking up players that you enjoyed, you started doing better. Do you think that there's any correlation there or do you think they just kind of uh, lucked out that way? Like, do you see that happening continuing, continuing on? No, I think certainly what happens is that I hold on to a couple players that I love for far too long this season and I pay the price for it. Um, mm. and just, I'm okay. I'm okay doing that. Um, yeah, the, it, the challenge that I'm having is that there's, there's a little bit of FPL that is it's formulaic, like 
you, there are certain people, there are certain team representations that you have to have in your lineup. I, to be competitive, it's foolish to not do that. Um, and I like, I'm okay. Let's say next year, and I start when everyone else starts instead of waiting a week. Um, I'm okay finishing eighth and sitting at the eighth spot, but really enjoying the team that I have. Yeah. Wow. Love that. Love that too. So, um, I don't know, maybe that's, I'm saying that because I'm in 10th and I'm just clawing up. And so I might as well enjoy it in the process. And next year I say, forget it. I'm, I'm using the formula. Um, but I want, I don't want my team to look like everyone else's team. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the four, like kind of playing by a certain kind of formula. Yeah. I think you're right in identifying that it's just not fun because you're always like playing kind of, um, catch up with someone else's idea of what the perfect team is. Um, and it's more anxiety inducing. It's less fun. Um, and yeah, it's just no, no way to play the game. I don't think, um, Sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, go for it. Uh, Livermento, I'm not going to pick him up. Uh, I think he's injured now. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that before. He has a knock. A knock, yeah. Uh, Classic knock. But (laughs) um, if he was healthy, he would not have been a guy that I went out and got this week. Because I just I have no connection to him. I've never seen him play. I couldn't even tell you who he plays for. Um, Yeah. And so I, I don't get jazzed up about putting him in, in with the squad. He's not a Naptown sure. FC player. He's not a Naptown boy. That's the end of the story. Yeah. So uh, I think bottom line is going to be, uh, I want to find joy, joy in the squad, and then hope that they perform well and know that I'm going to, I will struggle at points and I will have to have heartbreaking transfers that happen through mm. after they should have happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe like one last question about your team is, so you talked about possibilities for defenses uh, or for defensive players. Are there other players out there that when you watch them, you're like, oh, you are a Naptown FC player. Mm. Um, I need you in my squad. Whether or not it's feasible from a financial standpoint. Yeah. Uh, Boy, that's a good question. Uh, I love sixes and I love center backs. Okay. Um, oh okay it, not exactly the best fantasy no, positions right yeah nightmarish from a fantasy perspective um yeah and so that's where i struggle it like I, that's what i played that's what i play um and so that's like those guys see the game how i like to imagine that i see the game yeah um which is like a lot of nitty-gritty and very little fantasy value oh, yeah um so I love a lot of sixes and I love a lot of center backs throughout the league. Can't pick those guys up. Um, I hate the play of picking up the big money striker. I really don't think um, if we talk formula, I don't think that they're the path forward. Uh, okay. If we talk how I see soccer, I think all forwards are lazy goal stealing jerks. Um and so I just like, I, I won't have Ronaldo on my team. I won't have Lukaku on my team. Um, it's just it's how I see the game. So I, there's like a, there's a, a developing set of rules on people that I'm not interested in. Okay. Um, less so guys that I've seen that it's like, oh, I got to go get them. Okay. So like, I'm imagining a world in which you get kind of like a wild hair up your ass and get like Declan Rice or someone like that. Is yeah. that is that a possibility for Napton FC in the future, despite his fantasy drawbacks? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I can't say no to that because I, <laughs> I like I like the way that he plays soccer. But gosh, it's painful to pick. This him should, up. This should yeah. in no way be interpreted as advice for you to go out and pick Declan Rice. But okay. I, I would, I think, from an ethos standpoint, that would be amazing. I mean, you could throw him on your bench. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, like, he's those are like great bench most games, exactly, right? and that's what you—that's what you want for like a first or second off the bench. I think is like 
or maybe second off the bench. First off the bench, you're hoping to at least get some points if they come off, right? But yeah, yeah if you just if they're cheap enough, you that way that way when you bench boost, you've got a couple points there in the bag. Yeah, for know. sure. Uh, the the challenge I have in in making any change is that I'm remarkably happy with my li- my midfield right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it'd be hard to like I'm okay with the amount that is spent through the midfield and then trying to pick up some value uh you know St. Maximin I'm okay with that quality of striker because I think he he embodies the ethos of the Naptown boys more than a lot of other strikers do. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot more in midfield this season or at least right now than there has been in previous seasons. It's been a little bit more balanced. This year it's like like there's a bunch of cheap midfielders that are good. And like, there's a bunch of defenders that are solid. Yeah, but there's not much up top right yeah. now. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's there's more valid defenders than I've ever seen when I played. Like in that kind of four point five to five range, there's a ton of people who are worth getting in that range. Yeah, for well, sure. I mean, there's yeah, the defenders and midfielders are ripe with so many options. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I don't have a, a 10 year viewership history to draw back on. Uh, it feels as though the, the wingback style of play is a more recent evolution. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think explains some of that, right. That, yeah. That wingbacks are, are then getting into the attack more and more frequently and more teams are adopting that style of play. Yeah. yeah, that's very true because even like four or five years ago, it was pretty unheard of that a defender was over six million or six five okay. in the fantasy game. And then Liverpool came out with Robertson and uh, Alexander Arnold, and it was they were like the first defenders to be priced at like seven. Gotcha. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh my God, this is crazy. But then when you thought about it, you're like, it's still worth it. But it, there was kind of a, in the fantasy game as a whole, there was like a shift, a paradigm shift in thinking. Like, cause it used to be, um, you get the cheap, you get the like cheap defenders and you rotate them because the 6 million guys aren't worth it. Cause they only get six points for a clean sheet and they only get clean sheets like a third of the time. Right. And then all of a sudden with these Liverpool assets and then other people playing this way, they're they're totally worth it so yeah it's been kind of a very big shift in fpl over the last couple years um to this is becoming the norm so so was the formula at that stage you you rotate cheap defenders and and then you cash in on strikers that just have high production yeah yeah you yeah there was typically higher production and better options up top there were plenty of options in midfield. Um, and so, yeah, you would basically just play three cheaps at the back, maybe one, maybe one expensive guy, but um, you rotate everyone else, go big, go pretty cheap, bare bones, even with goalie and in the back and then put all of your money up top. Hmm. Yeah. So. And I think it's a, it's a, not just a fantasy shift. It's like a stylistic yeah. shift in the way, the way teams are playing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it in the Premier League is down to Klopp and what he's done with Alexander Arnold and Robertson. But it's also like Guardiola was doing that with Barcelona, with Danny Alves, right? And then he like stopped doing it with Manchester City and only recently has kind of reintroduced the kind of wing back setup, the five in the back um, with like Cancelo and Walker back in. So it's kind of interesting how it's kind of come and gone out of favor from a ta- tactics standpoint. Yeah. They, boy, city do wing backs very well. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, I don't even Walker think Walker will make horrible decisions. 15% of the time. Uh, it is Kyle. Is it Kyle Walker? Yeah. 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 Uh, and the other, what? 85% of the time it's just like flawless and get that man in space and let him run. Yeah. The man yeah. is so fast. Insane. And then Cancelo, I mean, I, he, I, I am interested in when 
like people just stop talking about him as a defender as as a whole because he's just like not taking up defensive positions hardly at all and it's just always and he's getting closer and closer to the center of the field kind of like Trent Alexander-Arnold in a way but it just seems like he's always around the 18 yard box in any attack that lasts longer than a couple of seconds for Manchester City it's wild yeah and he's pretty bad defensively and TAA (laughs) is pretty bad defensively like those to me those guys are ready for a transition to the midfield that they like grew up as wingbacks. And I think it's an interesting perspective of like put a solid center back next to somebody that can cover their defensive weakness, but don't also drop them in the middle of the field and expect them to manage an entire game and grow into uh, a central midfield position. Do you think that's a a direction that Klopp is moving is moving Trent Alexander Arnold closer to that kind of, almost like a six role, um, sort of, uh, maybe, uh, I don't think that, I think a six has just got to be like annoyingly competitive. And I don't see that within TAA style of play. Like he likes to play a pretty, he likes to look like it's all too easy. Um, and maybe that's youth and just being cooler than the game. But like Fabinho, Hindo, like those dudes, they play with a, a grit and intensity and like are fine looking like they're working hard. Yeah. Tiago Alcantara, like classic example. Yeah. 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 And so I don't know. I, I would struggle. I'd struggle to watch him move to a six because uh, I think you lose some of that like competitive nature hmm. in the center of the park with him there. But I don't know perhaps uh, it, from a skill set perspective, it makes sense. And I think across the league, there are a lot of people that that's probably the next leap in their game. Um, but in Liverpool's application, I wouldn't love it. Yeah, man. Um, Evan, do you have any other questions for our guest? Do I have any other burning questions? Um, I don't think so. I'm just really glad you're in the league Um, and it's good to see you doing well. I'm glad you didn't like, uh, I'm glad you have the, the personality and the, the, I guess the uh, worldview of this game that you do because it's very refreshing. And uh, if you were really in it to just, you know, grind it out then i think you would have been burnt out when uh after the first couple of weeks but it's good to see you like doing well especially with uh, the players that you love so i only wish you good things um even even though you're a you're a you're a red and i only wish you good things until you are on my tail in the standings in which case i, <laughs> wish, I wish you nothing but misfortune <laughs> that's very fair uh no, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think like I've enjoyed this. I've not been competitive from the F- FPL side for like a good, well, we're 11 weeks in. It's a long stinking season, but yeah, yeah. for nine weeks, it was like, well, I can see the person above me. Uh, and that's it. Uh, RIP Jerry. Yeah. Um, but uh, more than that, I've like, I love on a Saturday morning, knowing oh there's a game on and there will be banter back and forth like i i don't know maybe you guys know a lot of epl fans but i don't have a lot of people that i can like connect with over a game so that's like that's as much the joy for me and all of this and then i i get to pick some people that i like and then hope that they do well on the side so yeah i enjoy it i enjoy it a lot cool wow, wow. what a wholesome podcast I've got to say our most, our most awesome yet. Absolutely. Um, Cool. Well, um, y'all it's been great. Um, I think uh, we're going to end it there, but we will see you all maybe next week or in a couple weeks with another episode. Uh, it's going to be bye from me. Bye from me. And bye from me. All right. See y'all later. Yeah.